And we thank you, Father, for all you do for us. And we thank you, we love you, and we praise you in Yahshua's name. Hallelujah. So I was asked by about a half a dozen people if this had anything to do with that Hathaway song from the 90s. <laughs> no, it does not have anything to do with that song. It just happens to share a title, just to get that out of the way. Um, you know, this is, this is a pretty, it seems like a pretty common topic, something that should be on the forefront of all of our minds. After all, we talk about like, you know, Yeshua's love for us, Yahweh's love for his people, our love for one another. We hear it all the time. But I think it'll surprise you the answer to this question, what is love? When someone says, I love you, does it make you feel warm and fuzzy? Or when your children say, I love you, followed by a sweet hug, nothing feels better. Graham can't say, I love you yet, but he can give some pretty good hugs. And I'll tell you, it's, it, it, actions speak louder than words in that case. When your spouse says, I love you, does it make you feel safe, comforted? It should. That's one of the great things about love is that all of those things are true. Now, what about the love, of, again, of a husband and a wife? You can read through the Song of Solomon and come away with an understanding about what love is between a man and a woman. And, of course, it actually gets pretty intense. And maybe get a glass of ice water before you dive into Song of Solomon. It gets pretty it gets pretty intense. It is written. The Song of Solomon is written for those couples that are completely enamored with each other. It's a beautiful thing. It is. After all, if you look at her and you think, man, her sheep are just like a flock of sheep. Or, man, her neck looks like the Tower of David. You might just be in love, if that's what you're thinking. I don't know how any of you would actually react to say, wow, honey, your teeth look like a flock of sheep today. I don't know. They might have reacted a bit different back then. But uh, now what about our children? How about that uh, inexpressible joy we get when we see them succeed or do good? I mean, I know there's a lot of great parents here, and I know that it just fills your heart. When you see your children do something good without being said, without you leading them over by the ear to tell them to do so. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. That love and joy that wells up in the pit of your stomach when they smile at you. Over in Psalm 127, 3 through 5, I'm going to touch a few bases. Love between man and a woman, a husband and wife, the children, brothers. I'm going to touch on a lot of things today. I'm going to start with the children. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Children are a heritage from Yahweh, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Children are one of the main sources of love in our lives. Scripture talks about them over and over and over. We are children. We have children. Yahweh is our father. We're grafted into that family. I mean, it's all over the scriptures. We see them grow in love and express that love to you and others. To see them do that is just, it's indescribable. 
Over in Proverbs 17, verse 6, children are a crown to the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. Now that's something right there. We're proud of our children. That's, that's one thing. But the children are supposed to be proud of you too. You're their pride. I mean, how many times have you seen the two kids on the schoolyard? My dad can beat up your dad. You know, when you're speaking as a man myself, when I was a child, former child, (laughs) former child, I saw my dad as larger than life, you know, and I think that's how a lot of, in a good situation, that's how most children look up to their parents as larger in life. Like nobody's smarter than mom and nobody's stronger than dad. That's just the way it is. You're to be their pride. And children are to wear you like a badge of honor. Now, obviously, we love our children. Yahweh loves his children, you and I. Over in Psalm, Psalms and Proverbs for the children, it's kind of the theme. Psalm 139, 15 through 16. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth... Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Yahweh knows who you are, whether you're young or old. He knows every single detail. He loves you. Have you ever asked, how much could he possibly love me? I've fallen so short and I have been so wicked. These are extremely common mindsets that people come with. Why should he bother loving me? Why would he bother loving me? Yeah, you have no idea. You're fallen now. You may be in trouble now, but before you were, he formed your little eyes, your little hands, heart, lungs. He stitched them all together with care and compassion that you've never experienced before. So it should be clear by now what love is. It's the passion of a husband and wife in complete and total love. It's the joy you have from children when they reach out to you and, and want you to hold them. It's the understanding that Yahweh made you peace by peace, and he stitched you together with incredible care. So what else is there? Those things that I described, they're all love. They're By definition, those things are love. Messiah Yeshua said this in John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. Imagine that. You know, we see each other on a pretty regular basis here. I'd say a lot of us are pretty good friends. Now think about a good friend and think about a best friend. Imagine you're hanging out and you're just having a great time. And Yahweh forbid something happens to where he or she needs to step in. And the next thing you know, they've laid down their life for you. So that you can continue living. You can continue doing what you're doing. Now, that is also love. But I really doubt that would be that warm and fuzzy feeling we were talking about earlier. It would be a love that brings a feeling of somber and humbleness. Maybe even painful, but it is still love. Let's go a little deeper still. What about loving an enemy? 
Laying down your life for somebody who you love is no small task, mind you, but at least you love them. You know what I mean? They're your friends. They're your family, of course. Now imagine your best friend. Really get a clear picture of, man, I just get along with this person so well. Now picture the opposite of that. Someone who hates your guts and would love nothing more than see you suffer and fall. Now imagine they're in a bind. And you go out of your way, even with the knowledge that they hate you, you go out of your way to help them. You don't make it weird. You just humbly show them love and help them in their time of need, no strings attached. Just ox in the ditch and you pull it out. Now what feeling does that invoke? (laughs) So we have warm and fuzzy. We have pain and humble, like a somber feeling. Now what? This is also love. Not going to get warm and fuzzies. I mean, probably confusion, if nothing else. Unless, of course, they understand what it is you're doing, and then they'll see that it's love. Yahweh willing, that's what they would see. But the odds are there's going to be a little put off by the fact that you went out of your way to help them, even though they have been striving after you and hoping to cause you pain. Might be a slice of humble pie in there for them, too. Maybe a little humiliation. But ultimately, it's not the feeling that we're after. In showing love to those who hate you, you are planting a seed on earth and earning rewards in heaven. Well, in the kingdom to come. After all, over in Luke chapter 6, verse 32 through 36. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, as your Father is also merciful. So, going out of your way to help somebody because you want them to feel bad, you lose. That was the wrong mindset. You've, uh, you destroyed any hope you, of, of possibly making this a good situation. If you go into that hoping to make them uncomfortable, you, you, you've missed the point. If you lend somebody money and you hope to receive it back, somebody you hate money, he's talking about how easy it is to do these things. If anybody here needed 10 bucks, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, take it. But if somebody I knew was a, a thief or maybe they were bad people, and I, I'd be a little bit more reluctant. That can't be. You know, we have to lend with no hope of, of ever getting it back. If somebody needs something, we are to provide that need. Loving someone who loves you is that's easy. Loving someone who hates you is another story. But again, it's not the feeling we're accustomed to. It's not warm and fuzzy. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. It's humbling and it's humiliating. The point is, the reward for showing love is not always reciprocal. It's often one-sided. And that's why we're commanded to love your enemies, do good, and lend hoping for nothing in return. Yahshua lived 
the love your enemy part of this out to perfection. He did things. I feel, I really believe that Yahshua did certain things in his life, not because he had to, but because he needed to be an example to us. He didn't need to be baptized. He had nothing to repent for, but he did it to fulfill all righteousness, you know? And I feel like there's a lot of situations like that in his life. He died for those who love him, but he also died for those who hate him. He died for anyone who would accept the gift that he was freely giving. He even asked that Yahweh forgive those who killed them as they, quote, knew not what they do. It's easy for Yahweh to love those who love him, and how much easier would it have been for Yahshua if he was only laying down his life for those who followed and loved him? But we see how much further it goes. We see how much further it goes for him in what might be the single most recognized scripture in the world. Any guesses? There. You got it. John 3.16. For Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For Elohim did not send his son to the world to condemn the world but that through him the world may be saved. So Yahweh loved, so loved the world. Yahweh's love is not reserved for any one people, one person. It's available to everyone who Believe and walk as Yeshua walked. This is further reinforced in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear Yahweh and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of mankind. Not just Israel, not just the, not just the Hebrews. Not some, just anybody, mankind, everybody. And I'm really going to hammer this one home. Over in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares sovereign Yahweh? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? Also, in verse 30 and 32 of the same chapter. Therefore, you Israelites, now he says Israelites here, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Yahweh. Repent and turn away from your offenses. The sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Yahweh. Repent and live. Obviously, Yahweh has his chosen people. He has his inheritance. We all understand that. But a lot of people think the Old Testament is reserved explicitly for the Israelites. But there is proof all over the place that that is not the case. Yahweh has his chosen people, but he loves everyone. He does not rejoice in the death of the wicked. It doesn't give him any sort of pleasure to see somebody miserable outside of his love. It doesn't give him any pleasure. Over back in the New Testament, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. 
But Elohim demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. So this dispels the idea that, you know, he had an exclusive set of people that he was working with. Because he died for us while we were still, while we were still wicked. Before we came along and recognized who he was, his death is still valid. It's still waiting there for us. Still waiting there for anyone who hears that message. Even in our sinful and lost state, Yahweh thought so much of his creation that he sent his son to die on our behalf. And honestly, remember how earlier I said love is often a one-way street and it's not reciprocal? Well, it's because of that. It's because love not being reciprocated to the Father, it wasn't reciprocated by his chosen. And because of that, you and I have an opportunity to be grafted into that love. The promise of eternal life. Over in... Romans, again, Romans eleven eleven. I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. By their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous, them being Israel. Yahweh's love is here for everyone. Yahshua simply provided a pathway to that love. Brothers and sisters, friends, laying down lives for one another. But we hear the term unconditional love thrown around a lot. And I think it's implied when reading things like 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now, a lot of people will read that and think, that's that right there. That's Yahweh's love for us, right? It's unconditional. But I mean, if you really go through and read what this is saying, is actually showing that love is not unconditional. If you were doing the opposite of any of these things, you are outside of love. You're not practicing love. Love has a set of standards that we just read. And while love does all these things, what is it when, you're, when those things aren't happening? What if we fall into one of those traps? Are we still in unconditional love? No. I don't believe we are. Now that love can still apply, and there is a way back to that love if you've fallen away from it. But that's what's important to understand is that I believe you can fall away from it. Now that's going to be really hard for some people to hear because there are entire sects of uh, religion built around the idea that there's no way you can escape this salvation that's coming for you. That's, that's how they think about it. They think that there's nothing, it's irresistible. Once you're in it, there's nothing you can do to undo it. But the idea that Yahweh loves us, so therefore we just can't get on his bad side, is simply untrue. 
And scripture proves that, and Israel proves that time and time and time again. If you hate Yahweh, if you live your, if, if you hate Yahweh, if you live your life in accordance with the word, if you hate Yahweh, he's going to know it. He loves, the, the ability for him to love you is there. But it's not a, it's not, you, there, this is an active faith. I tried to explain that to somebody this week. Called, I said, this is a very active faith. This isn't a faith that you sit back and you rest on your laurels and you just let Yahweh and Yeshua do all the work. That's not how this, that's not how this works. If you are not exercising the fruits of love, and are not walking his son as his son walked. Like if you're not, you know, walk there was it was the first John when it says that, you know, anybody that says they believe in him ought to walk as he walked. Right? So if you're not doing that, if you're not exercising what it says here in First Corinthians, exercising these attributes of love, you may be in trouble. Why else would Yahshua warn about staying on a narrow way if there was no narrow way to stay on? Over in Matthew chapter 7, 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. And sometimes, you know, I just get tired of hammering this drum over and over and over again to people. I really do. I get, so, I get tired of it. But I keep getting people who are asking these questions, sincerely seeking truth. And that's who these, that's who these messages are for. Whether it's me or Elder Randy or Alan, we're not up here to, I mean, if you need to hear it, you need to hear it. But this is for the person asking questions. This is for the person that's like, wait a minute, how can I be in Yahweh's love and live my life like a piece of trash? How can I, how does that work? It doesn't seem to make sense with scripture. Well, you're right, it doesn't. And like I said, sometimes it gets a little difficult to just get up here and just and say and hear these things over and over. But these are the words that we're given. These problems we're experiencing are not new. <laughs> these are the same questions that everybody has been asking for the last 2,000 years. Well, if he loves me, what about this? Well, what about this? What about this? And this, they've had the same answers over and in. It's the same book. <laughs> it's the same thing over and over again. And it's about being tenacious with Yahweh's word. If the love that we read about earlier was unconditional, in the traditional sense, Yahshua's words about the narrow way are completely meaningless along with countless other scriptures. In 1 Corinthians, the description of love is saying there's no way out of that love. There are so many things that fall by the wayside, if that's true. Love is that narrow way. Love is walking that way, pulling people from the broad path that leads to destruction, and showing them the narrow way. Now that is a tough sell. Broad is the way that leads to destruction and many are those who find it. But 
narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life. Hey, man, I, I don't think what you're doing is right. I know it's comfortable over there, but check out this walk. It's really hard. <laughs> Come on in. Come on in. The water's terrible. You know what I mean? It's, it's really tough sell. But if, you, if, you, if they're truly seeking the truth, it'll make sense to them. And I know that sometimes we have people that come and go, and like friends and family that just kind of peter out. You kind of, you know, you've seen people fall asleep at the wheel, they just kind of drift off the road. That's kind of what people do when they're walking the faith. It's a narrow road. You can't afford to fall asleep at the wheel. How can we say we love those people in the world if we are, un, if we are willing to let them continue walking in this sin? Not only that, but to call that walk one of unconditional love is simply just untrue. You know, Scripture makes it very, very clear that if you, if you have a brother or sister near you that is in deep, or they're falling off, and you allow that to happen, that is on you. There's, this, there's, there's none of this, you know, none of my business. It is your business, especially if you know about it. If you know about it and you don't do anything, you might as well have done it. When we walk in love, it is in, in compliance with the word. When we teach others to do the same, we are extending that love to them and we are helping them stay on that narrow path. Sometimes that co- involves correction and discipline. It gets a little uncomfortable. But those things are done with the sole purpose of getting that person back on track. To keep them on the narrow way and away from the broad path that leads to destruction. If we allow, if we simply allow someone to just live in sin and not correct them, again, how can we say we truly love them? If you know somebody, and it's even worse when it's a brother or sister, whether spiritual or physical, and you see them falling away, oh, I love them, but X, Y, Z, you know what I mean? I know that feeling. And, you know, I think a lot of times we're waiting for somebody to hit rock bottom before we go in to help. And sometimes that's what it takes, I suppose. But if you can spare somebody the pain and misery that comes with hitting rock bottom, I feel like it's our duty to do so. And these people are going to, you know, we have people in our life that are going to fall. And guess what? When that time comes and they fall and they repent, the repentance that's made, that love will show no record of wrongs. Yahweh will show no record of wrongs. I think it really comes down to getting, getting out of your comfort zone. Love, is, love can be comforting. Comforting. It can be warm. It can be just inviting. It can be just simple. But it can also be extremely difficult. True messianic love is sometimes turning over the money tables. Sometimes the people in your life are going to think, "You're look at this guy. Who does he think he is? You know? Over in Ezekiel chapter 18, this is quickly becoming my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. It's quickly becoming my favorite chapter. Over in Ezekiel 18, Yahweh says this in verses 21 through 24. 
But if the wicked man turns from all the sins he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he will surely live. He will not die. None of, his trans- of the transgressions he has committed will be held against him because of the righteousness he has practiced. He will live. Do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares Yahweh Elohim. Wouldn't I prefer it that he turn from his ways and live? So what does this show us? If love holds no record of wrongs, and if you're walking in righteousness, your wickedness will not be remembered, there's an equation there. There is something happening right there. Yahweh's love is expressed by his law. And his people are blessed by that love when they follow it. For example, when Yahweh explained the laws against punishment for theft in the Torah, he set it up in a way to where the victim benefits when a criminal is caught and brought before the judges. Yahweh's law is very interesting like that. Sure, somebody was robbed and that's horrible. You might lose your possessions. But if you are in a truly righteous and just society... And the judges are upright. When the criminal's caught, the victim comes out on top. It encourages a trusting and open society. Now, somebody breaks into your house and steals something that's worth less than $1,500. Cops are just like, sorry, nothing I can do. I know, because it happened. <laughs> it happened. And, so, and then if they do catch them, your tax dollars go to keep them there. <laughs> so you don't, you don't come out on top. It's not a just and righteous system that we live under. It's just not. But Yahweh's love is expressed through his law, through righteousness. The same goes for loving your enemy. If you follow through and love those who hate you, you wind up the beneficiary. You've got nothing to lose. It's a little uncomfortable, but really you have nothing to lose. Over in Romans 13, chapter 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Whoa. This stands in stark contrast to what we hear taught today. We hear that the law is no longer in effect because Yahshua fulfilled it. Well, we see here that every time we show love to our neighbor, the law is fulfilled. So can we do away with the law? When I express love to my neighbor, am I doing away with the law? Obviously not. We don't stop showing love to our neighbor after the law is fulfilled the first time. We continue to do so. We continue to pour out love to our neighbor, and we continually fulfill the law. There is a strong tie between love and and law. It really is. Ask yourself this. Who benefits from a lawless people? We certainly don't. We see what happens when lawlessness kind of reigns supreme. Ask yourself, does Yahweh benefit from a lawless people? No. There's only one, there's only one side of things that tends to benefit from a lawless people. And it's not the good side, I'll tell you that much. Yeshua taught that we are to show that love and want nothing in return, for Yahweh will reward us. 
if you really think about it, it's almost a blessing to have somebody come across and hate your guts. For the right reasons, obviously. Because then you have an opportunity to show them love and mercy. And that will be, you'll be rewarded for it. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and try to get people to hate you. That is not the goal. You, don't find, you can't find, there's no shortcuts in Yahweh's system. So if, if somebody hates your guts and Yahweh finds out why, well, he already knows why. But if you're out there poking the sleeping lion and then, eh, don't do it. Now, over in 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, this is going to be important. I feel like this is something that I learned myself when putting this message together. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, and it is not puffed up. So obviously, of all of these things, Love is the most important thing. Having love is the most important thing. When communicating in the language of men and angels, if you don't do it in love, you might as well be babbling to a wall. You might be blessed with wisdom, prophecy, understanding, knowledge. But if you do it with pride or self-gratification instead of love, it's pointless. Doesn't No good. Or faith. Even if we can tell a mountain to be removed and it walks off, our faith, if our faith is not rooted in love, it'll be of no lasting benefit. Even acts of charity. This one's hard to, kind of hard to grasp, but you can kind of see it today. You see people recording videos of them giving some, like a homeless guy, like 500 bucks, and it's just like, oh, is, you know. I mean, that's great. The guy made 500 bucks, but it's of no benefit to the person who did the deed. If acts of charity are not combined with love, they're good for nothing. If you're not helping out of love, and rather, again, you do it you know, for your own benefit or you're puffing yourself up, it's, there's nothing in it for you. Even sacrificing yourself in death, unless you do so in love, it seems silly, I know, but like, oh man, how, how is somebody going to die if they don't, for somebody if they don't love them? There would definitely, there are definitely people on this earth that would gladly get put themselves in harm's way if it thought that they maybe they make them like a legend of some kind. Yahweh gives us gifts, discernment, prophecy, speaking in tongues, all of these gifts. He gives all of them, but those gifts alone, as we just read, do not express love. They have to be combined with love. Love has to be closely interwoven with these gifts in order for them to be effective tools for Yahweh's purpose. Tools that not only benefit you, but leads those around you to Yahshua and ultimately back to the Father. I struggle with this one because sometimes I wonder, you know, I see these things, well, 
I've seen healings done over here, and I've seen miracles done over here. After this study, I don't think it bothers me anymore. It really doesn't. Over in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, it makes it crystal clear. This was my aha moment for this whole thing. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Master, Master, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Master, Master, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So it is completely possible for somebody to prophesy, perform miracles, speak in tongues, do all these things. It's completely possible. But again, unless it's, and what is love? Well, Yahweh's love is expressed through his law. This is proven again through Matthew 7. You can still do these things. You can go out and just like, just like Pharaoh's magicians, you can do a counteract to Moses' miracles. Good deeds and even miracles are not a gauge of righteousness. This is really hard because we all desperately want to see these things. I mean, how awesome would it be to see that pillar of fire blowing through here? Maybe not through here, but outside. <laughs> how great would it be to see somebody who is in need be healed to get up and walk, right? I mean, we all want those things. But just because somebody heals somebody doesn't make them righteous. Yeshua said so himself. Just because these people prophesied and they came to pass, okay, So when we see miracles happen from those around us, it's important that we really be careful. Do not be deceived. Simply being able to perform a miracle does not place one within the will of my Father in heaven, as Yahshua said, because these men were doing these things. We we try to reserve that for like the righteous, for the, the elect, right? But obviously not. There are those that are doing this that are not. And, it, and it, what makes it even harder is the fact that he, they did it in his name. We did this. And this, is, this wasn't some person that came up to him and claimed to do it in his name. This was Yahshua saying, these people are going to come to me. And they're going to tell me this. And I'm going to say, get out of here. It's just, it's amazing. If a miracle does not lead one to repentance... And ultimately, to Yahweh through Yahshua, is it really good for anything? Is it really a miracle? A fruit that looks good on the tree, but is bitter to eat or is rotten to the core, it's not good fruit. Healing a lame man, only to have him use his newfound blessing and walk over to the local brothel, is not a miracle. That's not a good thing. It's not good fruit. Now, miracles, of course, I am not up here telling you, All miracles are bad. No. As long as they give glory to Yahweh and they cause those nearby to turn to repentance, I think they're on the up and up. Praise Yahweh. Let them pour in as far as I'm concerned. But miracles alone should not be a guide as stated by Yeshua himself. They can lead people into a false sense of security. And that's what's really scary. 
It's not the people that are being, it's not the people that are deceived that's really on the, because they're still being blessed and healed and all this other stuff. It's the ones performing the miracles who are lulled into a false sense of security. They think because I'm healing somebody, I've got it right. Not according to Yahshua. Hey, I cast out a demon. I must be doing something right. Maybe. But ultimately, there's more to it, obviously, because it wasn't good enough. That alone is not enough. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. So there are lawless people that are still out there performing miracles. Again, this was kind of an aha moment for me because I was just like, whoa. I've read it a million times and I never read it. It's amazing. Do all things in obedience to Yahweh's word and follow him in love, bringing as many people with you as you possibly can. This has been Yahweh's desire from the very, very beginning. Yahweh's plan and his design are perfect. Even when the world hates you, persecutes you, even kills you, as long as you were living, you live your life in love up to that point, you will have the last laugh, so to speak. Matthew chapter 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and body in Gehenna. So, this world is transitory, it's fleeting, it's temporary. But the actions we take and the love that we show, not only to our friends and our family, but to those who hurt us, have eternal repercussions. While the hate, the anger, the pain, the suffering, all of it is temporary, the love we show is not. It will stick with us from this life to the next. Much like how love follows us to the kingdom. Those things like hate, pain, suffering, etc., those things will follow us to the grave, to judgment, and no further. But love is the opposite. That is not, love never fails. And if it stopped at death, it would fail. But it doesn't. It continues. Scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 11 through 20. It's a little bit of a read here. So, For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it afar off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who, should, who would descend to heaven and bring it? to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who's going to go over the sea for us and bring it back for us that we may hear and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And that I command you today to love Yahweh your Elohim. Now, how do you do that? Walk in his ways, keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments. That is love. That you may live and multiply. Yahweh your Elohim will bless you in the land which you are going to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away, go to the broad path, 
and worship other mighty ones and serve them. I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and to possess. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that you and your descendants may live, that you may love Yahweh your Elohim, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which Yahweh swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So, you hear people, and I know you've all heard it at least once. It's impossible to keep that law. It's impossible. Oh, you can't do that. It's too, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't have to do that anymore. Really think about it. If love and law, as shown a couple different times now in Scripture, are synonymous, then what they're telling you is you don't need Yahweh's love. You don't need it. You can do without it. That's a scary thought. They don't even know what they're saying. They have no clue. And it's not unattainable. It never has been. All the way back in Deuteronomy, we see Yahweh telling his people, quote, for this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend. It's not in the sea. Who's going to go get it? But it's in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Yahweh said it right in front of our faces. And that means we're without excuse. And that's what walking on the narrow way is really all about, is living life without excuse. It's without compromise. And so you're going to have friends and family. They're willing to compromise. And you know what? Yahweh have mercy on them. That's not to say you should abandon them. I certainly don't think you should abandon friends and family that fall off the off the narrow way, but it should sound some very ominous alarms when they do. Yahweh went a step further. Not only did he set the word right in front of him, right? He went a step further and and made the word flesh. He sent Yahshua to live his life and record it (laughs) perfectly (laughs) as an example So what did Yahweh command? What did Yahshua do? I command you this day to love Yahweh your Elohim, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and Yahweh your Elohim will bless you in the land which you go to possess. If we love Yahweh, we follow the word. We obey the commands, the statutes, we stand by his judgments, and if we emulate Yahshua, we will succeed. Now, obviously... If this sermon has said anything, I hope it didn't tell you that there's not going to be trials because there are definitely going to be trials. Yeshua said the narrow way is difficult, but he showed us how to do it. It's kind of funny. Nobody wants to be the first one to do anything, right? There's so much unknown, right? It's like when you start a job and the boss says, hey, I got a new, I got a new project for you. I know this isn't your field of expertise, but I think you can do it. And you're just like, oh boy, it's happened here a couple times. (laughs) It's happened here a couple times. Nobody wants to be the first one to do anything. Why? Because you're scared of failure, right? Well, the good news is 
We don't have to be the first ones. We're not the first ones. Yeshua was the first one to walk perfectly. And he did it as an example for us. So again, there's going to be trials and tribulation. But the ultimate goal is assured. I'm probably never going to say this again. But I really like the way the contemporary English version puts uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I do not advise a contemporary English version in 99% of situations. But I, this, it breaks it down so simply. 1 Corinthians 13. I forgot to put the verse on there. 8 through 10. There we go. Love never fails. Everyone who prophesies will stop. And unknown languages will no longer be spoken. All that we know will be forgotten. And we don't know everything. And our prophecies are not complete. But what is perfect will someday appear. And what isn't perfect will then disappear. I think I just, that, yeah, well done contemporary English version. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, put that one in your hat. That's a good one. Eventually, all prophecies are going to cease. Now, even then, there were prophecies that are not yet complete, right? We're still waiting on some of those. Eventually, there will be no more prophecies. That's a wild thought. They'll be complete. They will all be fulfilled. They will have all come to pass. Eventually, speaking the language of men will be useless. The gift of tongues, eh, what's the point? We all understand each other. We'll all speak one language. Every piece of knowledge that we could possibly bring to ourselves will be of no consequence. All that will matter is Yahweh and his kingdom. All of this imperfection, all these prophecies we're waiting on the fulfillment of, all the information we've ever gathered up to this point will be forgotten. But love... That same love that Yahweh has for us and the same love that caused him to send his only son to die for us while we are still like filthy rags, that love will be all we know. That's it. Imperfection will be gone and what is truly perfect will remain. That's it. And what's truly perfect? Yahweh's love. That's it. There's nothing else. That's all there will be. It's a, good, it's a good thought. It's a good thought. So I pray that this message has been a blessing. So I can't, I don't know, the timer doesn't work back there, so I don't know how long I've been going, but I felt like it was a little shorter, but I talk fast, so. <laughs> so I pray that you have a deeper understanding of what love is and what love isn't. And may Yahweh bless you.